All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the intro. I'm sitting down with my two main men, Mr. Max Isaac, Mr. James Hobart, and we are tackling a probably a way too late Thanksgiving episode here because we're recording this the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. This will launch the Tuesday after Thanksgiving, but we will undoubtedly give you our thoughts about probably my favorite holiday. I love Thanksgiving, all the workouts, all the food, everything that gets involved in it. All the naps. All the naps. It's a big workout day for people in the CrossFit community, though. It's huge. It has become similar to like a Memorial Day, similar to like a Christmas Mm. Eve or Christmas morning type of holiday where everybody gets after it. But, fellas, what's cracking? It's all happening. This is is one of my favorite, favorite weeks um, because – it's like one of these in-between weeks. It's like not quite vacation. You know, the everybody's schedule is way different. So you start to see different classes packed. Like normally, you know, our 5.15, 6.15 is like slammed. But a lot of people have the week off. So now we got that 9 and noon really booming. So I like that, that there are there's like co-mingling between classes. And like you said, I like that it, it's a really big workout week. And so um, at Tilt, we do the Hero Workout Severin on Thanksgiving, which we, we call like a jacked up turkey trot. Mm. So uh, everybody likes to run the 5K on, on Thanksgiving. But what's better than running a 5K? That's right, James. 50 strict pull-ups and 100 hand release push-ups and then a 5K all done with a vest. So um, probably, probably one of my – I'll put it in the top 10 favorite hero workouts. Um, number one, got to be Glenn. Oh, this would then, be a good, this is a good topic. Yeah. So I'll, go, I'll, I'll give you, I'll, cover today. I'll give you, I'll give you like three, three. I'll give you four. I'll give you five, five, five favorite hero workouts. How about give We're going to go. Us, give us one. No, no, I no, don't no I'm, give I'm, five. I'm pulling up the CrossFit.com hero I, workout I'm, page. I'm, I'm getting gonna, into this now. I'm going to give five. So I'm going to give you, I love Severin. Obviously Murph has to be up there. I'm going to go Glenn, Daniel, and nuts. I don't think Murph has to be up there. Hot take. Well, I like, I like Murph just because I love to do it once a year on Memorial day. I love doing the workout. I think it's a, I think it's a wonderful, you know, incredibly popular hero workout, but enough about me, James, give us your five. Let's go. No, I'm looking. Matt's got to go. I got. I'm. I'm. I got the whole thing pulled up. I'm like digging through. Oh, I, I kind of think Murph has to be up there. No, um, it I, doesn't. I it doesn't. I, well, there are okay. so many other. I'm I, allowed I get to have like an opinion. The, Whose podcast no, is this? Uh, who cares? Tarantino. I, I, you ever done Tarantino? <laughs> Tarantino is a great is a great team of two hero workouts. Tarantino is 50 clean and jerks, 2k row, 100 burpees, 2k row. 150 wall balls i believe that's a that's a great team of two workout jerry jerry has to be up there jerry no, seinfeld jerry's a great workout love that workout how about griff um, okay 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 now okay, we're just how about we're, we're, na- I, we're, we're naming a lot okay. of workouts that not a lot of people know the actual nuts and bolts to but let's just for 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 my own purposes here the reason i think murph has to be up there is because it is arguably the most iconic hero workout that has transcended the CrossFit community and become a cultural phenomenon. 
you have tons and tons of people who do Memorial Day Murph, which I think is really cool because it's introduced a lot of people who otherwise might not have done the workout to these movements and to CrossFit and to the story. And the story of Michael P. Murphy is absolutely astounding. There's nobody who probably, I don't want to say deserves it, but like if anybody out there deserved it, that gentleman certainly did with everything that he did through the story of, um, uh, what, what was the name of the movie? It's escaping me. Um, Lone Survivor. Lone Survivor. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. But what an, what an awesome um, and crazy tale of, of heroism. Um, so that's my reason why it's got to be up there. Plus, it's, it, it really is very infinitely and easily scalable for anybody to do. You can drop that workout down to a 400-meter walk plus a few rounds of push-ups, pull-ups, and squats or ring rows or whatever, and then another 400-meter walk, it's very, very easy to adjust. I like that. James, come on. Give us a couple workouts here. James, I mean, I, I think Tommy V, Nate. Um, Tommy V is a mus muscle-up workout, right? No, Tommy V is the uh, – it's done at regionals. It's uh, 21 thrusters, Ruster, 12 rope climbs, and it goes 15, 9, 9, 6. Yeah, cool um, workout. Nate – AMRAP 20, two muscle-up, four handstand push-ups, so kettlebell swings. Um, Mr. Joshua, five rounds, run 400, 30 GHC sit-ups, 15 deadlifts at 250. So um, hard. How about Badger? Oh, Badger God. is one of the worst Badger's workouts ever. money. That's uh, Badger, what, three rounds, 800, and then 30, 50, 30 cleans? So, so it's 30 actually 30. Th it's three rounds, 30 squat clean, 30 pull-up, run 800 meters. And this is actually – some that we were just talking about offline about, you know, is it really necessary to lift a heavy barbell? Can you get strong? Can you get fit without lifting a heavy barbell? Badger will Absolutely show you. Absolutely not. Badger will show you really quickly how heavy a 95 pound squat clean can be. You know, like I, I can remember doing that workout for the first time. I'm like probably going to do the first set, you know, 15, 15, you get 10 squat cleans in. You're like, I might be going to doubles. <laughs> i might be doing some singles today that doing would be that workout as a as a row as an 800 meter or a thousand meter row is absolutely disgusting Griffey. rowing rowing badger because of the yeah. leg fatigue and because the additional yeah. pulling it is pretty gnarly that's a workout i'd like to see games athletes do because i've been obsessed with this idea of like games athletes doing benchmarks for the simple reason of like you know, Badger, most of us would break it up, right? You're, oh, I'm going to do a 12, 10, 8 kind of thing on the cleans or something like that yeah. or some fancy little split. It'd be cool to see an athlete go through that unbroken, right? That's just such a – and then finish quickly. I think that's such you know, a neat accomplishment. I, I disagree, James. I want to see them moving cheese curds down the middle of a field and then running an obstacle course and doing all this other <laughs> stuff. I, I would much rather see that than, than see them mm -hmm. do this really nice workout called badger i think it's it's much cooler to see the cheese curds <laughs> well we know we know that why does the cheese curd get so much hate i mean it's just a sandbag i know i digress i'm just i'm just i'm trying to poke the bear a little that bit. wasn't a digression that wasn't a digression that was like a full-out planned attack no no um hey one thing James, we should touch oh, sorry, on go here. Ahead. let's get off the hero workouts because i think that okay. talking about this idea of lifting sub max or staying a little bit lighter, especially when you're in um, 
maybe a recovery period or you're in a period in which you, you can't go as heavy as you might have been able to go, or maybe you're just getting older and you don't want to feel as much heavy load on your body anymore. Um, I'm recovering from, from PRP injections in my hips and I've been pretty conservative with the amount of weight I've been using. And I was never the strongest guy in the room, but I was telling James and Max here prior to the podcast that I was box squatting uh, four sets for 10 reps at 205, being very, very intentional, being very, very slow. And I know a lot of people out there that's very, very light for them, but I don't, I don't realistically think that I would need to go much heavier than that in order to get a really great strength stimulus, maybe 225, maybe, maybe 245, but above that, <clears throat> I don't know how much more necessary it would be for me with my goals in my life and where I'm at with training to ever lift above that point ever again. Um, and I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on this topic. Well, no, I think you hit the nail on the head there. And I think um, a lot of CrossFit athletes, especially those who are, who are just going to the, no, I shouldn't say just, especially those who go to the gym for the purpose of living their life outside of the gym better. If you're box squatting 205 or you're squatting 205, you're deadlifting 225, um, you might look at those weights and say like, oh my gosh, you know, they're not that heavy, but like compare that weight to any physical task in your, your in, routine in daily life. Like you said, um, you have so far exceeded the necessary capacity to live safely, live well, um, and live a long time independently. I think, um, you know, I, I don't think you ever, I don't know. I used to joke about this. I told you guys, my buddy, Dave Lipson, who's an absolute monster now. <laughs> but uh, we always used to joke about like, hey, never, you know, maybe except for the deadlift, never again lift a barbell over 135, 95, and you'll probably have a very happy life of fitness. Um, you know, I think we get, and it's fun, right? It's fun to lift heavy. But uh, I think we get so wrapped around this idea that like, if we're not constantly lifting heavier, we're not getting fitter or stronger. And I think that's um, a silly contention. Well, you well, also have the the ability with these lighter loads with, you know, with a box squat at 205 to add significant time under tension through ten through tempo and, um, you know, different positions that may, might probably aren't as popular in the CrossFit training space. I, I don't think I think tempo is pretty underutilized in our training philosophy in general. I think that it could be uh, really beneficial for athletes to increase time under tension, to increase muscular strain to increase things like that are harder to measure like bone density and stuff like that and not necessarily um, add the risk of injury by pushing the weight so high, right? If you slow a 205 pound back squat down to a three or four second tempo descent and ascent, I mean, doing five reps of that is brutal. So I think that there's a lever that coaches out there can definitely pull with athletes um, in terms of, increasing the quote-unquote strain of the lift by adding tempo max what were you going to say no i was just saying that you know tempo is like the tip of the iceberg right like if you if you decide you're like hey like i'm not going to lift over 225 but you know like every time that i squat or like you know i'm going to squat once or twice a week and i'm going to vary the way that i squat i'm going to you know like think about it there there are so many variations of a squat that you can do i mean i know that <clears throat> You know, I remember back when Ben started that get huge program, right? Back in the yeah, high back huge. in the old high huge, back in the old competitors blog day, you know, he was you know, he was borrowing philosophies from, you know, um all the West Side stuff, yeah. you know, a lot of banded a lot of stuff, stuff. Lot, yeah, a lot of banded, a lot of uh, 
a lot of chains, a lot of tempo, a lot of different variations of squats, Zercher squats, Buffalo bar, like all this stuff there, you know, there, there's infinite possibilities. And like you said, it doesn't have to be incredibly heavy. I know, I know for, for myself, the thing that I've found the most benefit from recently is um, picking one lift after class and doing that and just literally alternating between squat deadlift and strict press and changing the ways that I'm doing those, doing those lifts and not making them incredibly heavy, just making them really good, solid lifts. And the reason I did it was that I was finding that some of the weights that used to feel kind of pedestrian during workouts were starting to feel a little bit heavier. And I'm like, wow, you know what? I've actually got away from lifting. I don't have a ton of time. And so if I give myself 20 to 25 minutes after class every day, can I hit one main lift? And it's been hugely beneficial, mm. um, which, which is awesome, you know, and I'm not going off any percentages. Actually, um, I saw this thing from uh, Seth on uh, jump ship training, talking about percentages in, in the CrossFit world and him believing that, you know, sure, there may be a time and a place for it, but for the most part, it's not needed. So um, I also like, like his philosophy in general, which is I think every, every part of his program is based on either like a 60 or 90 minute clock. I think they were one of the first programs to do that. So don't want to get too off base here, but I do think there's something to that as well. Yeah, Seth Page from, from Jump Ship Training, uh, he's a good buddy. He's been on the podcast a, a couple of times. He's a very, very, very smart guy. He's been in the um, competitive programming space for, for a long time in CrossFit. He and I agree on mostly everything. Um, there's some differences in some of the training philosophies where we do differ. But um, the ter in, in terms of, of percentage work, I um, – I, my opinion has kind of changed on this a little bit as I've kind of um, matured a little bit more in my own programming journey. I used to think that it was completely unnecessary. I thought it was complete nonsense um, in, in a GPP style training program. Let me put that out there because if you're, if you're following a linear progression strength program that's based off of whatever rep max that you're doing. And then you're following a very, very stringent protocol after that. I do believe that there's a time and a place for percentage work, but I think as part of just a normal GPP style program, the demands of a GPP style program will want you to go above and below the certain percentages, um, with the variance of the program, you're really not meant to be locked into, Oh, today I'm doing a five by five at 75%. Next week I'm doing a five by three at 85%. The following week I'm doing, that's not necessarily, at least in my understanding of GPP and CrossFit, how it's quote unquote supposed to go down where I've changed just a little bit on this is that I do think that athletes who are coming into the gym on a regular basis, who want to have uh, strength stimulus regularly, they do like to have the, the rough, at least the rough percentages associated with something like a Wendler 531 or um, you know, a very basic squat or deadlift or press program in order to not only give them that anchor every week where they go, okay, this is the, about the number that I should be doing but also to show them very tangibly the progress that they've made over the course of a short strength cycle, a six or eight week cycle that you might throw into a GPP program. Now, 
I don't think that that's necessary for everybody to include in GPP, but we at NC Fit have found that more often than not, both our athletes and the people who subscribe to our programming do want to see strength cycles with some sort of linear progression and percentage work worked into it. I feel like I'm on a podcast with Mensa candidates here. Um, no, I, that makes Who's a lot using of the sense. word pedestrian <laughs> over here. That was a great <laughs> that, word. That makes a lot of sense to me, you know, and I, I don't think the psychology uh, implies the physiology. And what I mean by that Ooh. is um, I think you hit the nail on the head. I don't think this is something enough coaches look at. So kind of three points here. One, CrossFit even applied poorly is going to make people fitter. I've said that for years. I've said it once. I've said it a hundred times. That's the, that's the power. It's the, the catch 22 of CrossFit is you can do a shitty job at bringing it into your gym and you could be a super novice coach or even a coach. Um, a, I don't even know what a bad coach is. I could, we could go through that, but anyway, and you could still get success with your athletes one. And I think that allows people not to have to really look at the, look at how they apply the program. And then, like you said, Matt, it's, we could take a deep dive and start to understand that when it comes to variance, especially over the long term, we could start to look at what is the right amount of variance? How much variance is enough? What are the right percentages, right percentages to hit to cause results? So it's like, you don't have to have this step progress program to still see results. However, when we, that's the physiology. When we talk about the psychology of it, um, I do think, and I agree with you on this, for a member, especially if we're not tracking regularly, because let's be honest, most members aren't super dialed into whatever tracking app they have. They're not keeping a you know a notebook, and that's fine. But if I come in week after week and see 70%, 75%, 85%, right, there's that psychology of progression. I, I see the numbers, and whether I'm getting better or not doesn't matter. It's like I see this progression that allows me to feel that way. So I do think for coaches programming that stuff, they should know the difference of, one, why athletes resonate with seeing that step progression, but also two, that it's not just those step progressions that make people fitter. It might be harder to convince somebody that having more variance will still get them fitter and stronger, but that doesn't mean one necessarily is better for developing the physiology. Like we have to take the time to test that stuff out to see it. Um, that's cool that you guys do that. I think you're hitting the nail on the head there as far as making mm. people feel and see that progression and feel comfortable with it. Yeah, we, this is a newer, a newer addition to our program, maybe like three or four years ago, it wasn't included as much, but we definitely run a strength biased GPP CrossFit program now at, at NC Fit. And, um, you know, I, I really enjoy it. I think that the members also really enjoy it. Um, you know, one of the things that I think is, is important to remember is like, I, I used to get lost in the sauce about my own um, my own kind of experience in fitness, right? Like, you know, starting out, you know, we've all been doing this for a really long time. Like in, did my first CrossFit workout in 2006. I forget sometimes that not everybody has as deep of an understanding of like, oh, I'm going to do a five rep back squat today and I haven't back squatted a five rep in three or four months. I know immediately like what weight I'm going to, work up to or around, you know, and I think it takes years and years and years of immersion in a program like this to have that understanding of something like that at the snap of your fingers, even after you haven't done something in five or six months. But then to think about our athletes who their lives are, you know, endlessly busy, they're not thinking about fitness all day, they don't do a podcast with their two buddies and sit down and talk about <laughs> this shit every week, you know, they, that's five pushups for each of you. 
Yeah, they you might ask that person, hey, Shut like, the what's, fuck your, up, Max. What, what's your five <laughs> rep Sorry. squat? And they 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 might not know. They might not have any idea, right? So like also that's where percentages come back into it where you can kind of very easily go off of, oh, hey, we established this number four or five weeks ago and today we're doing 75% of it. So I do think that there is some utility. I kind of think that both ends of the spectrum overplay their hand in terms of like, the people who really, really love percentages swear by it. I think they overplay their hand. I think the people, maybe the ardent, maybe CrossFit people who say, oh, percentages suck. We should never do them. I think they overplay their hand as well. You know, mm. and I think what I hear there that, that kind of warms my heart from you is just intentionality as a coach and a programmer. Mm. You know, it's not just, you're not just hanging on some dogma. Um, and I love that. And, you know, it's funny too. I was, uh, I reread this article a lot is, is Greg Glassman's told what, you know, what is fitness. And at the end of it, um, you know, he says, even, he says, you know, one of our favorite workout patterns is to warm up and then perform three to five sets of three to five reps of a fundamental lift at a moderately comfortable pace, followed by a 10 minute circuit of gymnastics at a blistering pace and finally finish with two to 10 minutes of high intensity metabolic conditioning. Right. So it's like, then he goes on to list some other examples. He basically lists, um, you know, hey, on some days we do Metcons, you know, on other days we do stuff that's like interval circuits, which sounds a lot like a, a fight gone bad. But basically the point is, you know, I, I think we, we like you said, swung to one of two ways. It's either, no, no, you can never do a strength plus Metcon or you can never do a skill plus Metcon or whatever it is. Or, you know, hey, a single workout a day is not enough. And I always thought the contention of CrossFit was, Hey, here are the different ways you can do this. And I think Greg's big thing is he never wanted to get stuck in a routine, like every day being strength plus Metcon. Cause I think he truly believed that other skills also needed a premium. It wasn't just strength plus Metcon, like skill plus Metcon conditioning. Mm -hmm. um, he, I think feared a world where we fell back into this idea that a single modality of training was the most important thing. So, you know, that being said, he wanted to avoid that routine. But yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. I think we get way too hard on this road of like one workout a day is not enough. Never, no way. And Hey, you can never do strength plus Metcon or you can only do strength plus Metcon. Like uh, the intentionality, I think you bring to it, like I said, is super important and we got to pay attention to how does it affect our athletes and what are the results we get? Well, I have uh, I think, I think this is a really good conversation because, you know, the big post that's been passed around um, oh, yeah. all, all this week is, you know, um, from somebody who's been in the game for a while, you know, Denise Thomas talking about, you know, let let coaches coach and, you know, coaches are educators and coaches are teachers, which I 100% believe in. But it's interesting, you know, the conversation that we're having, you know, she's saying, you know, less is more, uh, you know, and and really rallying the troops around, you know, like you talked about, like, you know, we, there needs to be, you know, this it's quality over quantity. It's one one piece a day. While I agree with that. You just told me, you know, in, in that article, Glassman talked to you about a three-part class. He said, lift, 10 minutes of gymnastics at a blistering pace, and then a couple minutes of, you know, high-intensity conditioning. Well, that's three pieces. Now, do I think that's possible uh, in a one-hour class? 100%. Yes. I, think that, I think that to run an effective three-part class – the, the coach needs to be really buttoned up and needs to understand appropriate progressions and how to warm people up and um, how to not put fluff in their class if you're running three pieces. You know, like we all know, like for instance, yesterday, um, the workout at tilt was three rounds, 400 meter run, 
21 sumo deadlift high pull, 12 lateral bur- or excuse me, 12 bar facing burpees. That little, hel- that little was, Helen twist. Yep. So that that was our workout, 12 minute workout, 12 to 15 minute workout, and we didn't add anything on top of it, right? Because my goal was, can we teach the sumo deadlift high pull well? A movement that. I think I I really like the sumo deadlift high pull when it's done correctly, but done incorrectly, it's the best bicep pump in the world, right? So my goal for for my coaches yesterday is can we go through that full progression PVC pipe to empty barbell to that light barbell? Can we teach them how to cycle it all this other stuff? Um, but I I'm, I'm interested to get to get your guys' take on this because. Uh, I agree with what Denise is saying, but I also do, I also agree that there can't be one end all be all. It can't just be. It's always one workout a day. Yeah. There has to be an opportunity to do different things because MDV. To your point, um, some people want more. Is oh, that okay? Should, should, dude. should should they want more? You know, like on, on a lifting day, can you put a little piece at the end? Like you know, again, I'm just interested to hear you guys uh, talk about this. Yeah, uh, this so. The post that Max is talking about is a post that was made by, you know, a friend of ours, a colleague of ours, Denise Thomas. She's been in the game, like Max said, a very, very long time. You know, she's a flow master on CrossFit seminar staff. Um, She's worked at some of the top gyms in uh, the country. Uh, She worked on Reebok's team for a really long time. She worked on CrossFit New England's team for a while. She worked at some gyms in New York City. And she's a stud. She's an all-around stud. you know, all that being said, I, I, I actually disagree with her post quite a bit. Um, and I disagree in so far that like, I, 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 I would be just less critical of other people's CrossFit programming. You know, I, I, I think many, not many years ago, but I think I, I used to be more critical of other people's programming earlier on in my career and look at it and try to like tear it down and be like, Oh, well, this is nonsense. You know, I can't believe you're doing this, but I I'm, I'm more, I'm, I'm, I'm more accepting of other people's styles of programming now. And if it works for them and if it works for their members and, and nobody's walking out of their gym hobbled and getting hurt and people are showing up happy and having fun, then who cares? if they're packing the class from minute zero to minute 60, you know, I, I, I don't know who's programming there. She's talking about in particular. Um, but you know, I, I kind of, I would, I would say, Hey, in, in that situation, yeah, there is a very simple and elegant version of CrossFit that you can have. And I think the main site.com probably represents that better than anything, at least, my historic understanding of it three on one off a very traditional gymnastics monostructural weightlifting structure by the book but there's a lot of different variations of crossfit or functional training that you can put out there that can be efficacious that can be effective that can be um they can produce results for people socially emotionally physically and i i just think that there there is a version of constantly varied functional movements at a high intensity that is a little bit more quote unquote crowded on a 60 minute timeline that can be really fun and effective. Boom. James. Yeah. I like that. I was just, I was just, I didn't really, I was just looking at Denise's post. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, maybe where Denise is coming from and I don't know, 
And I, I agree with MDV. I, I think we have to, and we've said this at the level one for years, a good program is an effective program. You know, if you're balancing safety, efficacy, efficiency of adaptation, then you're probably doing a good job of programming and implementing your programming, whatever good job means. That's it. It's the efficacy of it. Um, you know, I think one of the things that Denise really wants to be a championship champion for, and I don't want to speak for her too much, is just this concept that it's not just about the programming, you know, and and that there is a world where if you're programming in order to cover up your lack of coaching ability, um, people like Denise, I fall into this camp. I would say, you know, I, I, I hope and I want CrossFit to be, a, I think we are a champion for this, is that the coach can become you know, so excellent that they can fill in a lot of those gaps that people might normally fill up with. Well, I just don't know what to do with my athletes and I don't know how to keep them entertained and I don't know how to engage them and I don't know how to give them their targeted weakness work or whatever, how to scale this workout to meet their specific needs today. So we'll just fill up the hour with more programming. You know, I think that's the world we just want to avoid is this is where the programming becomes a band-aid, not necessarily that you can't do more in a class, but that a simple class can be really powerful, especially in the hands of a capable coach. I think that's that's where we're trying to get at there. Um, oh, I, I, I I agree with that. 100%. I agree with that statement as well. I agree with that statement. Yeah, um, I, I think we're kind of all on the same page. We're just, you know, we've gotten to that that point in different ways. Um, and again, I'll just, you know, I've said it twice. I'll say it a third time. I think the intentionality is so important. You know, it's it's. Um, I can't say enough about it as a coach. Like if you're just in there, that class winging it, I do think that's an issue. Well, it's, it's much harder to run. <laughs> it's much harder to run a class where your only committed workout time is 15 minutes that will show up from, you know, minute 40 to minute 55. If yeah. that's, if that's the only thing as a coach that you have to do within a 60 minute timeline, if that, I mean, that's quote, listen, we all know that that's not the only thing that's going to go down. But if you're a coach, if you're a, a coach who doesn't know how to run a 60 minute class and you only have 15 minutes of committed time for a 15 minute AMRAP or whatever, you could look at that and you could be like, what the fuck else am I going to do for, you know, 45 minutes? How am I going to fill this time? I, I have nothing else to give these people. And I think that that, for I mean, that what yeah. it ultimately I think is what Denise is getting after is that yes. you have to understand how to create a really well-rounded experience that includes a proper introduction, includes a proper warm-up, that includes maybe a little bit of a skill session, maybe some teaching and highlighting a focus and something that's going to come up in the workout, an opportunity for the athletes to practice and play, and then get into that 15-minute workout and still have time for a five-minute cool-down at the end. Now, me, you, and – we have all been doing this for a long time so we can spitball this onto a piece of paper right away, but it's not right. that obvious for a lot of people. Well, that's, and, you know, that's opportunity to practice and play was money. I think that's so right. well said, you know, and like, how do we develop that skill set? right? Like there were times I coached a just quote unquote, a heavy day. And there was 10 minutes of athletes just kind of standing around picking their nose and no wonder they don't want to show up on just a heavy day, right? Mm -hmm. Like in the hands of like a coach who doesn't know what to do with it. Yeah. Just a heavy day is probably a pretty crappy gym experience if I'm paying a full-time membership. This is my one-hour day to get away from my shitty boss, my crappy commute, and all the stuff that's stressing me out. Now I come into the gym, and it's five-by-five five back squat, and coach talks for 10 minutes, and I stand with a barbell on my back for 10 minutes and do <laughs> six warm-up reps, and then he rushes us through a five-by-five. Five. 
of course I'm probably like, you know, it'd be really cool. Slap a Metcon on this, you know, you shut up, stop talking. I'll do Fran real fast. Then we'll do a five by five. Of course that seems more appealing, right? Like we got to right. talk about that. Um, but you know, so how do we, me, how do we get coaches to a point where like Max is about to tell you they yeah, light the world on fire inside no, that heavy day? No, that's, that's what I was actually just going to ask is like, how do you get a coach to that point? You know, like if <clears throat> our goal is to get all these coaches to the, to that point where, you know, people are getting psyched for five by five people are coming in like, Oh, you know, or, or shoot, like even, like even yesterday, you know, like you got a, you got a 12 minute workout, a variation of Helen that's running some of the, the high pulls and burpees, like, like to, to MDV's point, like, okay, you're a new coach. Like, how do you fill that, that time, you know, from, from a tilt standpoint, I, I know how we're getting our coaches there, you know, through, you know, through development, through constant feedback, you know, but my question is more like by and large, you know, I love that post that Denise puts up. Like, I think it's, I think it's a really well done post, but now like, how are we going to get people to that point? Like, it, should say, the, it should say, don't be afraid of simple programming and don't be a simple coach, you know? <laughs> yeah. I like, I mean, I, I, I like that, you know, this is something that, that we, we wanted to talk about today, which is, you know, a, as a new coach, what does your progression look like? How do you, how do you become a great class coach while also making sure that, you know, you, you can put food on the table that you can survive financially. There's, you know, the, the life of a coach is, is the life of a real self-starter. Mm. And that's, that, that's what I, that's what I truly believe. I think that there, there can be a million different courses and a million different certificates, but the, the, the person that will become in my eyes, the best coach is the person that, that is this self-starter and does not need a bunch of people to poke and prod them all the time. Instead, this is the person that's going out. They're watching other people coach. They're taking class consistently. They're asking for feedback and you know they're they're taking a hard look at their own classes. I think it's um, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm you know obviously I feel strongly about this. Would love to hear you guys talk about it. Well, let me let me just put a pin in the Denise conversation because uh, you know Max, you said something there that I I disagree with just slightly. And for me, the thing that I don't agree with with Denise's post is the fact that there seems to be like a moral argument placed on mm. the fact that simple programming is fundamentally better than more complex programming. I don't agree with that. I, I think it's up to the owner of the fitness facility to, to craft and direct what their fitness experience is going to be for their athletes to understand what their vision for fitness is, what, how they want to express CrossFit or functional style programming. And like I said, if the members are stoked, if they're coming in, if they're having a great experience, if they're having fun, if the coaches are running a safe and efficient class in a way that you could look at it and go, okay, they're getting their members prepared. It does seem like there's a lot going on, but you know they're still running an, uh, a smooth timeline. They're going over the skills. They're giving options. The members are moving from, from station to station you know, pretty quickly. I don't think that that's worse. I don't think that that's like morally worse than a simple, just one piece of a workout for the day programming. That's I think we're I, splitting. I, I, I think we're splitting atoms here because I think that, I think that in a, anything can be simple. Like what's, what's the difference between like simple and, and complex programming? Like, what, like 
in, in all honesty, like I'm going to read you guys uh, a workout that I have for next week. You tell me, is it, is it simple or is it complex? Well, Five by but, three. Okay. But, but before we get there, I think what Denise was getting after, and I don't want to spend the whole <clears throat> conversation on Denise, but what I think what she was getting after was she, she wants to see CrossFit programs kind of holistically be more simple, less crowded to allow the coach to coach more, to allow the coach yep. to create more of a full experience. Okay, cool. So now it, what were you saying? Is this, is this complex five by three back squat and then four time 50 burpees, 50 wall balls, 50 burpees. I mean, Simple? For, for, for that me, workout is that horrific. Works. That works. <laughs> it sounds terrible. <laughs> um, but to, to be fair, on our heavy days, I put a, a burner style workout at the end. And this is the only time I've ever listened to Jason Ackerman in my life. But he he said what a burn. <laughs> <laughs> Big ups to my other tribe member, Jason Ackerman. No, he said he said on the heavy days, you should put something simple at the end. And he said, because it's going to appeal to way more people. I was like, all right, well, you're, you are a level four um, for now. Is he for really now? Though? He is. He's, oh. he's, he's one of four level fours. And crazy thing was, I heard it was the kind of those Willy Wonka things where you took the level one <laughs> and then in the level one, when you got the certificate, there was a golden ticket. And sometimes easy, and people, easy. I'm just kidding. Come on. We're not allowed to make jokes like this. Oh, it's I've got a the joke. golden ticket. Oh, I've got the golden ticket. <laughs> what, a, what a great office episode where Michael puts all the golden tickets in, in the same, then, in, in the same and shipment. Then, and then and then he passes it to Dwight and he goes, oh, I, oh God, that, that whole episode is anyway. And then, I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. want to go too far down this rabbit hole. I think that's a simple day. Um, I, I also agree with you, James. I think that last workout is horrific. Fifty burpee, fifty wall ball, fifty burpee. Um, but what, what else we got? We got, well, you know, let's talk 15, about how, 20 how minutes to go here. Coaches make money. Well, I think well, that that was. Well, yeah, that's uh, a great thing to start with. Ten minutes left. Um, no, we got more than that. We can we can uncover just uh, the beginning. If of the your members don't show up to your right? gym. Programming is not the only problem. That's what we're getting at here. And programming is also not the only solution. Okay, moving on. Boom. Well, I agree with that. Um, I know. And I think we're all saying the same thing. We're just getting there different ways. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I think Max, Max kind of hinted at it earlier, you know, um, when he was saying how do, how do coaches become great in, in this space, in our space. And he said to be a self-starter. I, I, I would take that a step further. And I think that you have to be chasing, you know, this is so uh, – this is kind of cliche in, in, in CrossFit, but you have to be chasing excellence from day one. You have, to be, you have to be going out there trying to coach every single class to the best of your ability. Every single member interaction you have to be doing with the highest uh, propriety. You know, I think that there's a, lot of, there's a lot of opportunity that can arise. And, Max, you and I have talked about this before on, on the podcast where, you know – you, being a coach in CrossFit, you, it can be very, very fulfilling and you can have a lot of really amazing moments. But ultimately, I think like people want to progress in their journey and their career and they want to, you know, create other types of opportunities for themselves. 
And I think the best way to do that, if you're in this space, is to to do whatever is in front of you to the absolute best of your ability. And if that means you're standing in front of a room of 15 athletes <clears throat> at 6 a.m. and 7 a.m. every day, if you're doing that to the best of your ability, I think undeniably opportunities are going to come from that, whether that means that you're going to I get <laughs> Oh, I mean, I, I'm, the proof is in the pudding, I think. I mean, I, you're sitting here with two other guys, James, and you you included three people who work their ass off being group coaches who all found different paths in CrossFit, in functional training, in which it's pretty difficult to find, you know, a long-term career. We all found different ways to be successful in this space. And we we all did it through a lot of intentional hard work. Agreed. Agreed. But, but, but we are the three of us. And I don't want to put, I do not, this myth needs to get quashed out in the world of just go do the best of your ability. And it's going to work out. Like that's such like, that's like, I don't know, Sesame street bullshit. You okay. guys did not get where you are by be, doing the best of your ability. You went out and did the best you could. And then we're willing to measure yourself against another standard. We're willing to take feedback. Mm -hmm. Like if I do, there are people who are out there and here's the deal people. And I was this person because I taught classes early on and I did not have a background in coaching and I sucked. I went out and did the best to my ability. My best was not enough. I was fortunate enough to be around people who were better than me, who were willing to share their insight. I was either um, humble or scared enough or just right place, right time enough where I was willing to receive all that feedback. So I agree with you in the sense of like, go out and do your best. On top of that, you have to be willing to measure what your best is against another standard and take feedback or be around people who are better than you. Like, I think that's something no one says enough. Yeah, right? um, that's, I, I think, I think that's a, I think that's a, a really good point. The other thing that I think is important is you also have to figure out where your strengths lie. Like not, not every single coach that comes through the door is their, their, their progression is not going to always be, you know, part-time to full-time to head coach to gym owner, you know, or, or, you know, James, like, like your path, you know, like you came in, you were a class coach. And then I, I remember you talking about, you know, um, when you first in interned for seminar staff, you know, MDV, like, like everybody's had a, a different path because you've identified one strength that you have and like where you, where you want this journey to take you. I think for a young coach, the most important thing is to first off, yes, like if you're coming in as a class coach, like James said, your, your first goal is like, can I become the best class coach? Can I coach around people that are better than me? Can I take feedback? Can I make this product as good as possible? But I'm also a firm believer that you also need to like see all the different stuff, this full spectrum of things that are out there for you. Cause I believe there's this world of opportunities for coaches and you have to figure out like where your real talent lies, what you really love to do, and then try and lean into that because MVV to your point, all three of us have very different careers in this space. Perfect. Yes. We've, 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 we've all been on this path of health and wellness and we've used CrossFit has definitely been kind of that catalyst, but we're, we're all on very different paths. Um, and I think that as a young coach, you know, your, your first priority is to come in and, and do, do that first job to the, to the best of your ability. Like you said, to, to get feedback, to coach around people that are better, but then it's like, I, I also think you have to have multiple hats and I think you need to be able to see what else is out there. So I'd like to hear James, go ahead. looks like you got something to say. 
I just quick one sentence on that, the multiple hats and then also um, the self-starter thing. I think one of the reasons it's important to say that and what coaches should know when they start in this journey is you're probably not going to make Boku bucks when you start, but what you <laughs> will have a lot of time on as a new coach or what you will have a lot of resource of as a new coach is time, right? Like, yes. you know, you will have this extra time. So like studying feedback, watching other coaches coach, and then looking into other avenues of like, what other coaching jobs can I do aside from just standing in front of a group class and coaching them, right? What else is available? Mm. And you want to kind of dip your toe in all of those things and start to find, Hey, which piques your interest? Which are you good at? Which are you bad at? Yeah. Because I think there are a lot of uh, supplemental ways early on when you're a new coach to make extra money. And I know it's not all about the money, but it is tough as a new coach to make it and focus on like the group class or getting to the point where you can run a gym unless you start having that income and you have to do more than just coach three classes a day. I, um, I really, I really liked what you said there, which is you have this amazing resource of time and, yeah. and, and as a coach, this is one of the hardest things that I had. I had to learn the hard way when I became a full-time coach for the first time. I thought you just got to work out all day, you know, um, and quickly learned that like that's going to get you like pretty fit, but nobody's paying you to be fit, you know, and it, it was a really hard lesson for, for me to learn. I, you know, I actually learned it really the hard way. When, when Ben cut me down from full-time to a part-time coach, I was, I was making a full-time salary. I had quit teaching. I stopped doing everything. And then I got cut down to coaching one class a day. I had the 7.30 PM class and that was time for me to like, you know, put on the big boy pants. I'm like, okay, well, cool. Now, I, now I got to go out there and, and figure out how I'm going to make a living. Um, but I also like what you said, James, like, you know what, you're right. In the beginning, you don't make a lot of money, but you also have this amazing quality of life that nobody else has. Mm. You that know, was advice um, I got from you and I never forgot it. You said, how hard is your life when you choose when you can eat lunch? And I was <laughs> like, shit, that's good. You know, it, no, but I, I, I think about that every day. I get mad at my job and I work from home right now. And, you know, I'm like, oh, I could eat lunch at 10 or 2 p.m. I, I think about that every day, man. It was some of the best advice I ever, ever heard. But, but it's 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 but it's so true. Like and again, I want to I know MDV's like like spring load. He's got a bunch of no, stuff. I'm, good. I'm, last, I'm enjoying la, it. La, 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 last thing milk? is this. Of course he is. Does a body good. No, just just water. <laughs> okay, he should be drinking milk though on the gain train. Um no, but what you said, what you said earlier, James, you're like, hey, a lot of your members are working at jobs they don't love for people that they don't like, doing things that they're not really interested in. And that's why, you know, ultimately we said, you know, it's about this class, making sure this is amazing. Okay, now think about like the life of somebody that that really does love CrossFit and really does love helping others and loves being a teacher and loves being an educator. And you're you're getting people that are paying to see you coach. And if you're doing, you know, personal training, whatever, they're paying to be around you or you write programming, they're paying for your programming, like whatever it is, like what a life like that, that to me is like such an amazing life to live because it's like you're doing what you love. You're doing something that, that you're good at. You're doing it with people that are motivated and want to be around you. You know, it's not like when I was taking chem for the third or fourth time when I was in high school, you know, it was like, <laughs> I, 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 could, I couldn't get out of that class. Literally couldn't get out of that class. Finally, they're like, just fucking leave. Um, well, 
Well, a couple of things. I think, you know, coming back to what James said a few minutes ago about being your best uh, is not is not enough. Like that the kind of Sesame Street saying there. I agree with you. I, for me, being my best doesn't mean just solely showing up and working to the limit of my potential. It, it yeah. means it, it trying to exceed it. And I think that this also kind of plays into like this idea of care. Remember, like we like the Glassman idea of care, where it's like if you care, everything will take care of itself. I think a lot of people on the surface level would look at that and go, "Well, yeah, of course." If you ask the members about their kids' soccer practice this weekend, you know that will be enough for them to have a smile on their face. But like the the meaning of care, at least in my understanding of what Glassman meant, is like is so much deeper. It means you're going to actually care enough to go out after class to learn about the thing that only you saw that you did wrong in that class or a member asked a question that you kind of fumbled over and you got there uh, eventually, but you want to get there more confidently and more efficiently. So you're going to go and actually do the research. Like that's the level of care. You care enough to also coach in front of people who are better than you. You care enough to coach, you know, and get feedback from people who uh, have been doing this longer than you. And um, I think I, I, I don't think I know that you are in the same camp as that. Um, you know, one of the things I interviewed Adrian Bosman a long time ago on the podcast, and he said something that stuck with me for forever. And he was saying that a lot of his success in the space has come from right place, right time, right attitude. And right attitude, I think, is something that <clears throat> a lot of us, um, me, me included, uh, did do not and, and did not have for a very long time. And I think that if you're putting yourself in the right place in the right time and you have the right attitude, a lot of really good things can happen for you. It's not a guarantee, but I think it's a better chance that those things will happen for you. The last thing that um, I want to share here is that I, I don't think that coaching necessarily is for everyone forever. And I think yeah. that it, it's okay to have coaching fitness and to, to being involved in the CrossFit space as being like a season of your life, as being something that you do maybe for a couple of years as the primary way that you earn money and the primary way that you derive enjoyment from a profession. And then I do think it's 100% okay to put it down mostly and then go do something else or keep it for you part-time or put it down completely and just and solely pursue fitness as a, a leisure activity or for the betterment of your physical and emotional state. I think that sometimes we get involved in this conversation and we live in two sides of the spectrum. We live in the side of the spectrum where you can only do CrossFit coaching if this is the only thing that you ever want to do for the rest of your life. Or on the other side, it's like, hey, if, if you're not doing it, then if not doing it that way, you shouldn't, you shouldn't coach. I think that there's a lot of gray area in the middle here and you can pick it up for a number of years and put it down and go away and go do something different. You know, Sarah Sigmund's daughter just posted that she's, becoming a pilot. I know. How cool is that shit? Oh, what? Dang it. That's I have 15 push-ups and I think I owe 10 from last podcast. Wait, Sarah, she she's be becoming Sarah a what? Sigmund's, Sarah Sigmund's daughter, <laughs> one of the most successful female games athletes of all time, one of the best athlete, female athletes of our era, has gone and started training for Icelandic Air. She's going to become a pilot. I love that. I love that so much. I think that that is so awesome. I think that well, it's a, it's a really awesome expression of what not only somebody who's an elite athlete, but anybody who got very, very deeply involved in fitness can look around at the landscape and go, 
I want to go and try and do something else. I, I, I really uh, applaud her for that. Well, there's a, the, uh... there's a massive life lesson here of, and Max touched on this and you're touching on this now. It's just knowing what your strengths are, right? There's a massive life lesson here and assessing what you are good at, because at some point you're probably going to have to port the, the life lessons, skills learned, habits learned from one area or career to another as you age and evolve and transition. And I think something a lot of people just assume is like, well, I worked hard in CrossFit, so I'll just work hard at whatever I do. And it's like, it's not the case unless you take time to understand, you know, what qualities, thought processes allowed you to work hard, you won't be able to port those to other areas of your life. And that's, that's the life skill is how do I take the discipline from CrossFit and do it to become a pilot? Um, that's super cool. Sorry, Max, you're going to say something. No, I was just going to say that it's estimated that people will have 12 jobs during their lives. So MDV, to your point, it's not the end all be all, but I, I love where this has come. It's full circle. It's like the lessons that we learn as, as an athlete, the lessons that we learn as a coach are applicable to anything that you're going to do in your life. And if you have discipline to become a spectacular athlete, and if you have, you have discipline to become a spectacular coach, you probably have the ability to be great at a number of other things. Um, but Really, really cool to become a pilot. Right, right now, um, there is um, a huge need for pilots. I believe they said that by 2030, um, over 40 or 50 percent of the current pilots are going to be retired. Right now, they're trying to push back the age of retirement for pilots. It's a pretty sweet gig. I know this because one of my good buddies um, is be is becoming a pilot right now. And apparently, the gigs that you want to get. Are with UPS or FedEx? Those are two of the those are two of the groups that you want to fly for. I have for. two friends who fly for FedEx. Yeah, flying. Yeah, get get away from the uh, the commercial passenger. You want to fly that freight, baby. You don't need that drama. Yeah, you, yeah, you get don't that. need that drama on the commercial you know, airlines. It's funny to hear Max that say that. So, so at Max's wedding, um, one of the things I said in the in the the speech or whatever was, you know, I can't imagine Max never not saying I have this good buddy. He's X, Y, or Z. Like any story I tell, you know, I have this buddy, he's a pilot. I have this buddy, he's a jeweler. I have this buddy, he makes the best beanie hats. That's like every, every time I talk to Mag, that's a story he tells. Well, let, well, hold on. Let me, let, we'll just No, you don't get this. to defend that. There we go. We're at an hour. MBV. No, land, stop. Speaking hold of, on. let's land the plane. No, hold on. The reason why we all have these stories is because this is the best part about coaching CrossFit for a decade is you meet the, the, the most interesting <laughs> people in in your job. All I do is just meet people that are are awesome and have great skills. And yeah, so every story that I have is my good buddy. I always well, social, talk about my good, my, you're also my good a buddy very James friendly. and my good buddy Matt. You're also but a very that's, friendly person and you but you get along with a lot of people very easily. Yeah. That's right. I think but, Mr. And you're James interested, Hobart you're and curious. I, Mr. James Hobart and I, we're a little bit more tightly wound. We got that lawyer. Yeah, we got that lawyer oh God, thing going on it. where we walk around. That's you, butt, Max. That's us. Our butt cheeks clenched <laughs> all the time. <laughs> oh God. All right. All right, boys. I love you. Have a great Thanksgiving and hope everybody who's listening yeah, to this happy Thanksgiving. had a happy Thanksgiving. I hope you got a great workout in. We hope you enjoyed all the foods and you didn't worry about any nutritional bullshit. We didn't even talk day. about that. We didn't even talk We're about it. We're on to Christmas. We're on to Christmas. And Hanukkah. See you, you fellas. Hello, friends. MDV here. Thank you for listening to the Intro with MDV podcast. And if you enjoyed today's show, 
please subscribe for weekly downloads wherever you listen to your podcast. Remember, we have a new episode coming to you every Tuesday. And if you have time and five stars to spare, please leave me a rating and review on iTunes. If you're looking for more out of me, MDV, you can find me on Instagram at MDV underscore FIT. Until next time, friends, let's go.